What is up? Welcome back to Big Fat Five, a podcast financially supported by Big Fat Snare Drum. This week's guest is Sam Merrick, drummer for the show and Juliet on Broadway at the Sondheim Theater in New York City. We'll learn more about that show later on the episode, but Sam just got done with a 1,200-plus long run as the drummer for the National Tour of Hamilton, an American musical. He's also played with Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings, Charlie Wilson, Charles Bradley and his Extraordinaires, and many more. He's also got an amazing sample pack series called Break Habits, link in the show notes. He's just a stud, people want to hire him, and he can teach us a whole hell of a lot. I wanted to find out what he focuses on from a drumming perspective that's formed him into such a professional, consistent player. So please enjoy my chat with Sam Merrick about the five records that shaped him into the drummer he is today. Cheers. When I sent over the form, what was the mindset going into it? Was it stressful? Was it super easy? What was it? I, I wouldn't say stressful, but I, I didn't really know where to begin or how to narrow it down. And I don't know. It was it was a really good exercise, though, I'll be honest, because, you know, you don't take stock in all of your influences in like one sitting. So it's mm-hmm. like, I mean, I, I'm probably missing like all the CD booklets that are, you know, in some box at home somewhere. But like <laughs> yeah. going back like early in the iTunes catalog and kind of just like going down and be like, oh God, yeah, I remember this four month period where I wore this record out and mm-hmm. this other record and and then going to like kind of like the Spotify streaming age and looking at all like the playlists I created and yeah, it's kind of cool. And, and so you don't really get a chance to reflect on your entire musical, the catalog of musical influence in your life. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm 37 years old and like that's that's a lot of years of just like, wow. So it was a really good exercise. And, you know, it's like kind of like phones and pictures. We take pictures and they kind of end up in your phone. Mm-hmm. And very rarely do you have to like go through like a like a long period of time and really take stock of every single photo and be like and think about it and, and, and reminisce and, and all, on all the other memories attached to it. But. I still am waffling on a lot of my picks, but at one point I just <laughs> yeah. like had to just send them out and be like, okay, here, here we go. Well, I know that I know you've talked in the past, you were a bartender in New York and I, I guarantee it's going to be one of those. Cause I was a server too for a while until I was lucky mm-hmm. enough to uh, do music full time. But I'd like wake up in the middle of the night being like, Oh my God, I never got that guy's side of ketchup. And it would just like <laughs> shoot me up from sleep. You're going to do that with like, Oh my God, I didn't talk about this record. So I'm just going to warn you it's going to happen, but we'll have you back on. So it's all cool. Good. Cool. Beautiful. Um, I always struggle with this when I'm in a room with drummers or, you know, trying out a kit for the first time, knowing that there's some, you know, stage guys that are seeing a bunch of drummers. When I sit behind a kit to kind of mess around and and fiddle with it, I'm always like, what do I play so that I can actually get to know the drum set, but also like let the people on the side know, okay, this guy can play. Um, So when you sit down behind a drum set, do you have a go to like "Eh, this little thing? So they know I got some sauce behind there. 
Oof. You know, I'm I definitely do. I, like it's <laughs> definitely I will definitely play like a kind of like Gadsden, like 16th note on the hat backbeat with, I don't know, a little sauce here and there. Like I, I think there's a probably 80 percent chance that I'll play one of something <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah. I think I try to attempt fool in the rain just to get like some ghost uh, notes in there and shuffle. But then it's just like after two bars, I'm like, I should move on. People are like, cool, um, man. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We get it, <laughs> we we get it. it dude. Or one little six stroke roll with a rim shot at the end. I'm like, oh, this is a good snare. This is a good snare. <laughs> it, feels, it feels natural. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, all right. Well, we will get into everything you're doing currently at the end, but let's just hop into your influences. So Perfect. Uh, you guys at home can't see, but I'm wearing my Levon hat. You're also wearing your Nelson Drum Shop hat. Yes. Shout um, out to Nelson Drum Shop. Hell yeah. I just got the one you're wearing in pink, but I'm happy I wore this one because the first person is Levon Helm. And I, I, had, uh, I had Rod Elkins on the show uh, two weeks ago, and we just, I mean, it was, it was basically a Levon show as well. So anyways, first one is the albums of the band. The release year is 1969. The artist is the band. And this record is, um, a lot of people call it the Brown record. It's the second record, but it's the self-titled record. Mm. The song choice is Up on Cripple Creek. And the drummer is, of course, Levon. So before we play, go ahead, man. Take it away. Yeah, so I, I picked this because this is this is really my first real musical memory that I can trace. And I grew up in Vermont, and I had... a, a parents who were really into music like they were like hippies from the 70s in san francisco who then like moved back east so this was like totally in their wheelhouse but mm -hmm. but yeah whenever i hear the band and then specifically this song i just i have like a really visceral reaction mem like memory attached to it like i can like smell the dining room i can smell my house i grew up in i could like experience like the light in the living room like I, I don't know I just it has that effect on me mm -hmm. and yeah so my, my father played bass in kind of like a blues band that it was it was recreational but they played every every Thursday night at the house and and they played songs by the stones and the band and all my brothers and so anyways this was this is the song that like when I think about music and when I first it had an impact on me this was the obvious choice Just like stank right out the gate. Oh my god. The clavinet too. Yep, yep. I just love how he's like dragging into all those kick down beats. Oh yeah. And if y'all don't know, that's Levon singing while he's doing all these amazing drum parts. So you good. go, woo, sounds like something they would do in the song, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the background vocals, they take so many fun chances. They just, and some of the times you hear the band and it doesn't sound perfect. It's like the mm -hmm. vocals are like, ah, that one's a little flat there. Yep. But it's just a bunch of dudes <laughs> playing music together. And it's so honest. It's so this, cool. Yeah, the spirit is is so authentic. And yeah, I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> I, I just, like you mentioned, the double kick drum and the linear stuff he's playing into those into the choruses he does a double kick drum 
kind of thing. It, it varies from like transition to transition, but he does it in every single fill. Mm-hmm. And it is it is so cool. And he never crashes, which, you know, when when I'm four years old, I didn't really have an understanding of that. But as I've, I've as I've aged, it's in like, your old oh, age. Of course, yeah. that's in my, thank you. <laughs> I said it. Uh, you didn't have to say it. Yeah, it, it just is just, of course, Levon did that. And it's badass. But yeah, just no, I picked this song. This was actually the easiest song for me to choose of the five, just because it was like, oh, yeah, this is what music was to me, like, like at the start. Yeah. Yes, Rag Mama Rags on this. Um, yep. Oh my God. I mean, King Harvest, where there's a really cool live video of them playing that song, and he has the coolest leather jacket on. It's like a bomber jacket. It's so cool. <laughs> He's just the coolest guy in the world. I mean, and I visually, I sometimes try and channel Levon uh, in my aesthetic as as much as I desperately can. You're doing um, a great job. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I hope <laughs> I hope one day because I live in LA and I just get word on the street that they're making some Levon Helm biopic. And I'd be the first in line to audition for mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And you, you've seen the last waltz, I'm sure, as well. Oh yeah, it's, it's just, yeah, it's just masterful the, the way he just like kind of just like, just like breathes that music. And, uh, and you got to think too vocally is that he that affects the way he plays drums, and and it just has like a just a beautiful ebb and flow in the time. And uh, yeah, it's just what a master. Oh yeah. All right, so. Number two, the album is Wayne Shorter, Footprints, Live. Sure. Release years 2002. The artist is, of course, Wayne Shorter. And the song choice is Mascalero. And the drummer is Brian Blade, Say No More. And so you did give a specific part of the song if, you, if everyone wants to go listen to it themselves. It is uh, 645 to 745. But did you want to talk a little bit about it before we listen to it? So but I, I started playing drums, you know, from a pretty young age and then... Uh, around i was studying with a drum teacher and he kind of started getting me into jazz a little bit like working out of like the john riley art of bop drumming book anyway so that kind of started the started the wheel and yeah and my father also had a lot a pretty awesome jazz collection and he was you know he showed me duke ellington and uh, thelonious monk and miles and yeah but at this point i was really only kind of exposed to like the easy kind of swinging kind of blue kind of stuff and i think i was about 15 uh maybe 16 15 but my dad took me to the burlington jazz festival to see uh this band who uh, you know i was somewhat familiar with because i like i think i had just started getting into like miles davis's second quintet with tony williams and um i really didn't know what i was in for so i picked this moment of the clip just because it just like i thought it like perfectly um encompasses like the essence and uh spirit of that band and just like Brian's explosiveness and um mm-hmm. yeah um yeah let's just play the clip and and we'll we'll chat more I still get chills. <laughs> you can hear Brian's face too, because he's so just like, oh, you can hear it. My God, I so I saw 
this band live and it just completely changed the way I like I, I had never seen a band play fully egalitarian music where everybody was improvising and just like had such a unique their individual voices but a unified vision while still taking chances i just like i my mind was totally totally blown and i mean yeah i mean you heard it you heard a clip there but it, they like they knew how to build tension together and excitement and anticipation and just the, like the pedal to the metal forward i just remember being so when i saw this for the first time i just remember feeling so emotional and music had never really moved me the way that i I felt at that moment like it was I was like oh completely overwhelmed I was like oh my god this is this is just so masterful and I knew that it was something it's really special that I that I was able to see and I, I just and I just left there feeling super inspired and you know he, Brian Blade is the best and he's he's just like a vessel for the music and and it's so honest and authentic and yeah I mean if we could all be a fraction that authentic and honest as our instrument like that'd be pretty good <laughs> mm -hmm. i recommend anybody who hasn't seen brian play i mean you can even if like you're not super into the jazz thing like he's playing on a bunch of other more like kind of singer songwriter records and his voice really just kind of shines through and in all of it all of them no matter the context so absolutely yeah it's a really good kxp performance uh with fellowship that i he just blows it away mm. um and it's recorded so well too. I love when the live video is recorded well. It just yep. Sounds like a record. Same with this one, obviously. So yeah, um, yeah. And I just, I mean, like I, I was so inspired by his like cymbal sounds, like those big cymbals that he's just like laying into, and and the open toms, and ah, oh, I just like, yeah. <laughs> Hey y'all, I wanted to, <laughs> I can't say, I wanted to talk to you about a drum I've recently received from Preston at Vessel Drum Co. It's an ocean patinaed 14 by five and a half snare drum, and it's incredible. It's got a 1.5 millimeter shell, brass shell, with 10 lugs, chrome over brass, triple flange hoops, a trick uh, three position strainer, 42 strand wires. It's lovely, it's loud, and it cuts and records as beautiful as a piece of butter cake. And, and Preston actually, this is why it's called the Ocean Patina, is he covers the shell with seaweed and then drops it in the ocean for a certain period of time. And then it patinas with all these crazy cool designs. And if you all remember, Preston was actually one of the first guests on the podcast. When I first started out, I didn't really know what the Big Fat Five format was gonna be or if it was gonna be even Big Fat Five at all. But I went to his garage, his his you know where he makes all of his drums. It was really cool. He walked me through the episode is essentially from start to finish what happens with a drum, and it was it was a really fun episode. It's now archived at bigfatsnaredrum.com, just because it doesn't fit the format of Big Fat Five. I want you to get back to the show, but go check it out. This drum is beautiful, and he actually let me use it on an Eve Six tour, and I didn't keep it and I regretted it ever since then just because I was trying to pinch pennies at the time and I just kept thinking about it and so the opportunity to get it again was presented and it is one of my favorite drums so the ocean patinaed 14 by five and a half snare drum check it out reach out to me go to vessel drum co the instagram's just at vessel drum co and check it out it's amazing it's beautiful sounds great bye
All right, so number three, the album's Uber Jam. The release year is 2002. The artist is the John Schofield Band. Song choice is Acid Head. And again, a specific time, 1.15 to around two minutes. And uh, it's Adam Deitch, who is a friend of the podcast. He's been on the podcast talking about this record too. So, um, Oh, man, this is, yeah. What yeah, a beast. Go ahead, man, what take it away. Sure, sure. Um, so I was living in Boston, uh, at, and I think I was a freshman in college at the time when I first heard this. And uh, I ended up not studying music and <laughs> doing like a communications thing. And um, But I was still, too. I was, yeah, you know, I, I was still playing and like still trying to like seek out new music. But someone burnt me a CD called Uber Jam. And I was like, oh, what's this? And I was kind of familiar with John Schofield and through the Miles Davis, like electric stuff. But I had never really gone down like the Dennis Chambers, Schofield rabbit hole. I hadn't really gone down. This. So anyway, so this is kind of my first real exposure to Schofield. Yeah, let's just play the clip and and uh, you know, we'll we'll go from there. Mm. Yeah. It's hard not to nod your head to this. I know. Mm. Yeah. Oh my god, so cool. Oh. Oh, yeah, Adam. It's, oh, it's so badass. Yeah, I, I I and I chose this this record because it, it really like I, I remember like I started kind of thinking about the drums a little differently. Cause I had up to this point I had never heard somebody play with like that kind of pocket with such a jazz sensibility at the same time. If that makes sense. Yeah. And yeah, I just, I mean, I just like loved all like the dubbed out kind of delay effects that he's, he's using in, in real time, of course. And, and also this, this record also, there's like a kind of electronic thread throughout each song that like, I, there's some programming and I just, it was like my first exposure to like the kind of analog versus machine idea. And it was just really fresh to me at this point. And I, I just like, yeah, just like, I couldn't get enough of that, that feel and groove and it ultimately like led me to discover you know a bunch of uh, well his band lettuce and a bunch of like lettuce adjacent bands like soul live and medesky martin and wood and improvised groove groups of the sort and then i was like oh well what are these guys into like what and it kind of like sent me down the rabbit hole of all like the 70s funk stuff like the headhunters and tower of power and earth wind and fire and oh yeah and i kind of traced that all back to this record so that's that's mostly why i picked this because it's just like it was like a clear clear marker when i started to kind of dive into that stuff and i i it was just a great like jumping off point for me and it turned me on to all types of groove music and i you know i like to think that i mean we all have our own version of pocket but like when i think of like the deepest of pockets i think of like this kind of stuff oh, again totally. i hope i can groove half as hard as this man because it's yeah it's the whole record is really really special of course, there are a million other bands who have done this over the years, but I really start to started to appreciate the 
concept of like addition by subtraction because bass the bass will drop out and just like drums and guitar will go at it and then you know just everyone's kind of just like taking their time and coming in and out and i just like creates this like a awesome dynamic and builds tension in different ways and i always i always saw that this band they would do that incredibly well and the cool thing about Schofield is that he's worked with so many amazing drummers and he switches his, his vibe up completely. So I'd recommend, and I've learned this from this podcast. I'm not talking from someone who's listened to John Schofield his whole life, but so many of John's records have been brought on because it's different drummers, completely different vibes. So mm-hmm. just yep. listeners, go down a John Schofield catalog and you're going to hear so many different styles and he's got such a good taste in people he works with. So I'm always happy when Schofield comes up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's one of the greatest. Absolutely. Still doing it. Still active today. Still so. doing it. Yeah. And he was like playing with, like I saw, he was playing with Phil Lesh the other day of the Grateful Dead. You know, he's just oh, like, really? he's, <laughs> and he's also playing with Scary Pockets in LA and like he's all over the map still. It's it's awesome to see. Good, man. Yeah. Um, all right. So number four, the album is Naturally, the release year is 2005. The artist is Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings. The song is How Long Do I Have to Wait for You? And the drummer is Homer Steinweiss. Cool. So I'm kind of cheating a bit with this one because this is really just kind of like a a Homer Steinweiss appreciation moment that I want to (laughs) have. Have at it, please. Yeah, man. Uh, But no, I, I moved to New York in 2008 and I was bartending in Times Square and that was my first job and it just happened to be directly below the Drummer's World shop on 46th Street. Oh, nice. And I knew some of the guys who worked there because they'd come down for lunch and hang and then when they got to know me a little bit better, one of the guys who I'm still friends with today, he invited me out to like this like open soul slash funk kind of Afrobeat session hang in Brooklyn at this place called Rose Live which unfortunately is no longer there. But Mm. Uh, I was like super green and just like super excited to get invited to this hang. And uh, and I can still trace like I want to say like 90 percent of like my New York music people back to this 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 place in Williamsburg. And um, I don't know, it was just a beautiful hang and just like great folks. And uh, it was also around this time where Sharon Jones and the Dap King started taking off and they were, you know, they were just like total heroes in that scene like doing like authentic soul and r&b music at just like such a high level and taking it on the road and just like hitting the road hard it was yeah it, it, that was like prime time for them but but yeah let's let's just play the clip because i think it i mean just like that we're gonna hear this this drum intro just like it hits immediately and then uh yeah This guitar line, the way it locks with the drum part, I just, yeah, feels so good. That bass player. Yep, yep. That's uh, Gabe Roth on the bass. He, he produces and writes a lot of this music, too. Our player's going crazy. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, man. Oh, I need to go down that that uh that record. That sounds great. That's cool. yeah. It's like no one was making like the throwback sounding records this good. I mean, yeah. no one still is able to because like still yeah. Daptone Record Studios, you know, legendary for that, and it, yeah, they're, they're that crew is just kind of the best at doing that thing. But I I also chose this too because I I had the pleasure a couple years later to um sub on uh, a Dap Kings like month long tour opening for the Tedeschi Trucks band. And this led to another tour with Sharon's backup singers who had their own record on Daptone called Son and Star. And then later I did some dates with Charles Bradley. So and this is all Homer playing on all, all these records. So I would be remiss to not mention him in like talking about people who have influenced my style and and playing because I probably had to learn like well over a hundred songs that this guy has played and wow. recorded and and this is over the course of several years and i you know I, I i think that effect on me and my playing and my musicianship yeah it's just undeniable and homer's discography is like actually kind of incredible and he he's played on he played on amy winehouse back to black he played on bruno mars stuff he played on a track on the latest silk sonic record and Menahan Street Band. I mean, the, the list goes on. So I, I suggest anybody to check out all music and like go down the Homer rabbit hole because, yeah, his his approach and feel is just so unique and special. And he just writes amazing drum parts that are sometimes just like so simple and un- unassuming, yet they're just like perfect for the song. And he, yeah, he's a really special player. And also during this time, hanging out with those guys in the Daptone world, they kind of turned me on to a lot of other music. So I kind of went down like another James Brown rabbit hole and then like Charles Wright and 103rd Street Rhythm Band with James Gatson on drums and Dyke and the Blazers. Yes. It's a Gatson hat. Yes. It just kind of opened my eyes to a lot of new music. So I felt that it was important to give that Daptone world a shout out here and add them absolutely on the list yeah all right number five hi is it hi ho or hey ho you know we'll go with hi ho okay alps hi ho (laughs) yeah release here's 2014 the artist is blake mills the song choice is shed your head and you said just start at zero right at the top so the drummer is jim keltner yeah so this this record came out right at a time where i started kind of getting into recording drums and recording myself and started buying a few microphones and i had a, i had a little space in brooklyn that was was kind of was awesome for recording go figure it, when i heard this record for the first time it really was like i i don't know how you make drums sound like this like <laughs> please like i need to like go down the rabbit hole and this is and still continues to be like kind of like the white whale of drum sounds for me Maybe we should play the clip and then 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 we'll talk more. Sorry. All right, here we go. Yeah. I mean, what a salesman! Shed your head. Ooh. Here we go. Yeah. It's touch, man. My God. Oh, I know. It's. How's he getting that snare sound? It's like, 
it's not, there's like no attack it's just presence immediately it's that and makes it's so sense. wide and yeah Willie Hernandez on the show um, last week and he was talking mm. about just like things that turn him on are just refreshing sounds that's just that's just refreshing you know it, it really feels like you're in the room sitting next to the drums and feeling and feeling them in all their like pillowy glory and just like I just have never been able to capture myself playing drums where I'm like feel like I'm just in the same room I mean and just it's so natural and honest sounding and uh i i just love all the shaker textures that he adds in there and they just like offer so much color and vibe and yeah and his touch is just like perfectly captured in the song like you were saying i i think a lot this also speaks to the production of blake mills who i don't know if you are too familiar with him but he i'm not he produced uh uh, like that that Alabama Shakes record a few years back, Sound and oh, Color, okay. that was Darkness and Light by John Legend, which had like, Chris Dave and Pino on it, and it was just like I, it, just like again, just ear candy from start to finish, and yeah, and on this record, that was the most like drum set forward song, and it, I mean that was pretty minimalist too. Like he's he's playing just like some like nice nice ghost notes and kind of like like a delay kind of thing in the left hand on the snare that and but it's, he's not playing much and but like i said like that was the most drummy song on the entire record and it's just it's just a lesson that you know not every song needs like drum drums and and um yeah i suggest anybody to go and check out this whole record because there are some songs where it's just like he'll come in for like four bars at the end with just some like kind of brushes or some sound some sound of sorts that just kind of move things along and adds another layer to the, to the song and that's it. And that was a choice. And he's like, yeah, okay, cool. We're here. Yeah. We're good. Yeah. He, uh, he never approaches a song the same way. That's it's like, he has a vibe. A lot of times you can tell it's, it's Keltner, but mm -hmm. it's because you're like, what's going on here. It's so crazy. Stir, uh, Aaron Sterling has a similar vibe of just like, Wow, I don't know how it's not even a drum part. It doesn't sound like a drum part. It just sounds mm -hmm. like like what you said. It just moves it forward percussively. But yeah, I'm butchering this explanation. But I think you know what I mean. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Keltner's absolutely. known for just like weird shit, and it's so cool. Yeah, I mean, you look at, I mean, you can see like some of his like Franken kits that he's put together for some of these old sessions, and it's like okay, only Jim Keltner could make this work. Have you seen that interview he did? I believe it's with with the drum doctor, but I think it's called On the Record. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, it was like him, Joey Warnker, Abel Borrell Jr., all those guys. It was kind of a short-lived YouTube series, but it, uh, his interview with with uh, Keltner's pretty pretty cool. And then there's this really Fantastic. awesome kit behind that he ends up messing around with at the end. So everyone go listen to that as well. But, yeah, it's, uh, again, I mean, even in his old age, I mean, he's in his 80s now, I, I believe. And he's still working. Still working, still playing on records, and and um, 
there was a Dawes record that came out a few years ago where yes. he just did some like MPC programming on a song. And it's and it's such a jam. And and uh, I actually happened to see them live a couple of weeks ago. And like that sample starts the song. And I'm like, that's Keltner. Like he just like locked himself in a room and just came up with this thing. And <laughs> here we go. Uh, it's it's when the tequila runs out, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we had we had Griff on the show, and he was talking about obviously if people listening know anything about Griff uh, Griffin Goldsmith, he's a huge fan of Jim Gordon and of course Jim Keltner. Mm-hmm. So to have that happen, I'm sure was amazing for them as well. Yeah, um, Griffin Griff sounded amazing at the show. I, I've I've never met him, but yeah, he's he's another hero of mine. So shout out to Griff. <laughs> absolutely. Well, and I want to give you a few more shout outs. So. And I know at the end, I, I, I give my guests um, some options for honorable mentions because I know I'm being a jerk and making you whittle it down to five. So I do want to play two of them. Not that I think there's no hierarchy, but just they're not talked about a lot. So I do want to start off with the first one, which is J.R. Robinson, and it's Rufus and Chaka Khan stomping at the Shavoy. <laughs> stomping at the Savoy. <laughs> I can't talk. Yeah, the whole record is so, so damn good. But... uh why don't you play like the last minute of maybe like pack my bags if you can okay. pull it up quick. Yeah, they're just they're just at ten for a solid two minutes, just like this. Uh. Oh yeah. I mean, I I wish we had more time because we listen to the whole song because there there are just like pedal to the metal for a solid like two and a half three minutes at the end just on, sitting in that groove and I mean he, the way that the guitar player and 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 Jr are locking on this whole record is just really masterful and uh, whenever I play no matter what the gig rhythm guitar is always the thing that I need to have the most of oh, in my ears yep yeah and maybe it's yeah. I, not necessarily because of this, but just just that lock, I think, is so important. And um, yeah, and he's just driving the bus, man. I mean, it's so good. <laughs> yeah, I've told this story in the podcast, but I'll tell it again in case someone hasn't heard it. But when we were doing NAM 2020, um, we had a snare that sounded kind of like the snare from Rock With You. And so every once in a while, people would play it and they'd like, they'd do that. Sure, sure. And <laughs> when this like 10 year old kid walks up and like starts messing around with it and then plays that little fill and then starts playing the, the, the beat. And JR yeah. is like walking in the background with his little frosted tips. And oh. he doesn't like stop him to be like, hey, that's me. He just like looks at me like looks at me and Chris and is just like that's pretty cool and then he just keeps walking we're like <laughs> we just saw this interaction this kid didn't even know that JR was just like gave him the nod of approval behind him but it was it was really cool all right so no one or I take it back I think one person's talked about this but um Eric and I'm going to butcher your name Bowden but L- little dragon Nabuma rubber band the song is clap clap 
And yeah, Eric from the band Little Dragon, if I didn't uh, explain that properly. But Little Dragon is such a cool band. Every song's different sonically. It's mm-hmm. I don't think he just records his drums in one day for the whole record. It's like every song sounds different. But yeah, let's just uh, play it and then we can talk about sure, it. Sure, 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 yeah. All right, here's the song Clap Clap by Little Dragon. synth when it comes in just gets me every time so much presence yep yeah it's got that little motown kind of benny benjamin kind of vibe totally totally but in this electro context yeah a huge bass drum (laughs) yeah really wide open yep Yeah, I, so I, I wanted to include this because this was kind of the other side of the coin from like the, the Keltner song we listened to. It's like the, I started getting into Little Dragon like right around the time where I started recording myself more. And I was just like fascinated by the ways that he could take these, you know, acoustic drums and kind of make them work so well in like the electronic world and with that vibe and with all these synths and, and Little Dragon. I mean, I think I suggest everyone go check out that band because I think the songwriting and the part writing of each member of the band really shines yeah i mean nobody's doing too much it's just, and sometimes the parts are super simple but they're always correct I, I i i always kind of like keep little dragon as like my beacon of what would this guy do if sure. he was given a song and i mean just one of my one of my favorite bands of all time no no laptops on stage just like they're just playing and it sounds like this and it's it's a beautiful thing in this day and age especially yeah. playing electronic electro pop kind of stuff you know if anyone has access to eric i've i've reached out so many times through all the different what i would think you know avenues would be and uh, i would love to get him on because i would Mm. love to see what's inside that man's head my god me too please get him on (laughs) um so before i let you go because i know you're literally this is a work day for you you are on broadway right now so can you talk a little bit about this new show you're doing, which is uh, titled And Juliet. Congratulations on recording the, the, the cast album. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we're, we're in previews right now um, at the Sondheim Theater. And uh, so basically the show, uh, the premise is uh, it's alternate ending to Romeo and Juliet. Like what if, what if Juliet didn't kill herself? As told through the, the catalog of Max Martin. So um and for those of you who don't know Max Martin, he's the guy who kind of wrote, you know, hits in the pop world, starting from like, like Hit Me Baby One More Time with Britney Spears, all the way through, you know, Bon Jovi in the early 2000s, all the way through like The Weeknd, I Can't Feel My Face with I'm With You. So here's a guy who's been just the most relevant in the pop world for three decades. The literal goat of like pop music. Literal goat of pop it, music. It's insane. It's his, yeah. I mean, the list of songs that, I mean, there's 29 songs in the show and there's still, you know, I want to say probably like 
10, 15, 25 other number one hits that just like aren't in the show. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's remarkable. But yeah, so the, the show, it's a comedy. It's it's a lot of fun. I mean, this music is is a blast to play and uh, the arrangements are so well done. And they from a drummer's perspective, they're just they're just so fun to play. Like they want you like the, the saying that they keep using in all the in all the rehearsals and stuff is get fired, like play, play louder like which is so not a broadway mentality at all but that's what this show is is really required of the drum of the drum chair because yeah we're just bringing these you know these songs from the 90s that were made like in the box trying to bring them to life and uh, bring them new life rather so yeah the show kind of just tells juliet's journey as like a new single lady and there's oh there's so some... so romeo dies she decides not to follow suit and then she yes. becomes an independent woman that's great <laughs> yeah yeah and i'm not going to give any spoilers but yeah you know romeo finds his way back into the picture at one point or another through magical means which anyway oh. like but the show is a blast it, it was it's been running in london for a few years and did a pre-broadway run in toronto over the summer and i got to see it and i was just like oh this is this is so much fun yeah i i feel good about it and it it was i'm also feeling good feeling very grateful to step into another job but but just uh, having had that experience yeah i really yeah i wouldn't trade it for anything so I, I i hope the show goes as long as you want it to and that it is as pleasant as it sounds like it is right now for as long as it is Thank and you. and yeah man i'll let you go so you, you have a show tonight i do yeah yeah i have wow. a little dinner break now and then we we hit at eight all right, man. Well, thanks again for taking the time. It's nice to finally talk to you. I know we talk on Instagram a lot. so Yeah, um, likewise, man. Thank you for having me. And thank you for, I mean, I'm a huge fan of the show. And oh, thanks, it, thanks for doing all that you do for like the, the drum community. Oh, well, thank huge. you for saying Seriously. that. Appreciate that, dude. Yeah, man. All right, man. Well, I, uh, yeah, I'll talk to you soon, dude. All right, cool. Thanks, right. man. Cheers, dude. And that's the show. If you're listening on a platform that allows ratings and reviews, do that. It helps more people find the show, so it'll get bigger and better, and hopefully I'll have a chance to sell out one day. But you'll be an OG listener that can brag to all your friends. Anyways, why don't you go and check us out at BigFatSnareDrum.com and follow us on all the socials. Just search for Big Fat Snare Drum and you will find us. The show is edited in part using Isotope RX Audio Editor. It's amazing, so go check that out at Isotope.com. And thanks again to Gunnar Olsen for the theme music. Bye.